This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihew from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there in listener land, this is episode 21 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We're back. I know we were gone for a little break. We had Christmas. We had New Year's. We had just a crazy week last week. And so we were finally able to clear some time in our schedules. And we're back, Steve-O. We're back to the microphone here. How you doing? Oh, my gosh. It's good to be back. Yes, we did have some craziness. I would have timed the snowstorm a little differently if I had control of things. You don't need another extra day off after you've had two four-day weekends in a row. Give it give it to me 30 days from now. How about that? But but it is what it is, and it kind of slowed things down a little bit there last week, but we're back in action and super glad to be back on the show here. Yeah, I'm kind of glad to be through the holidays, to be honest with you. It was fun, but man, it really does just make things go a little sideways, a little squirrely for a while, especially in the real estate biz. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's nice how it closes things down. Christmas Day, if you get an email or a phone call from a client, there there is something seriously wrong. Somebody's house is <laughs> We did get out. one. We did get one. Somebody somebody asked, Hey, any updates on my listing? And one of my listing agents was joking with me about it. They're like, Can you believe they they did that? But but, but that is the uh, the one off. And so you actually have a day, one day a year pretty much. Thanksgiving's about the same though, I will say that. One day a year where you just can bank on the fact that I don't have to do anything this day. <laughs> yeah, well that that is good. Well, we're back. We're back on the mic. We got a great show. We actually have Joe back. Welcome, Joe. And, Hi, guys. Uh, for another Best of Masters, we figured we'd kick off our first show back with that. We've got a couple of really great topics. And next week, we've got a, another really cool interview set up with Ironbridge Lending. But for this week, we're going to focus on Best of Masters. We got Joe here. We got two great topics, the first of which I'm going to tee up for Joe right now. And I actually, somebody texted me yesterday or the day before about the second post in the series of uh, these posts and kind of sent me a picture of one of the realtors in the post that somebody had altered. But the whole basis of it, and it was a funny picture, I have to say, but the whole basis of the post and then the post that you previously had, Joe, was all about appearance, how people look, how your potential customer judges you or chooses to use you or not use you as an agent based on your appearance. And so I'll let you take it away, Joe, with what your original post was, and then we can kind of jump into a lively discussion of how we all feel about that topic. Perfect. Well, thanks. Well, you know, Masters in Real Estate has been around, gosh, I don't know, three years or four years. And over those years, we've covered so many topics, it's hard to find kind of an original one. And I was really thinking about it, and I came up with this one because it had never been talked about. People wonder about it and they think it, but it's never been said. So on the original post, which was in May, the title is Face Piercings, Tattoos in Real Estate. And then it addresses, recently we talked about cars and what's the, the perfect real estate car. That was a thread just prior. And can it help you or hurt you? But we haven't yet talked about piercings or tattoos. Uh, is it a niche? Is there a place in real estate? Is it becoming a trend in society? Can it help you or hurt you in business? What are your thoughts? And there's a picture of a gal who has a ring in her nose and a big arm tattoo, kind of an attractive gal. And I didn't expect it, but this thing exploded with about uh, 100 comments of all kinds of opinions. And 
it was all across the board, whether people thought that it helped or hurt. Yeah, it's an interesting topic for sure. So maybe maybe read the thread exactly how you posted it, and then we'll uh, we'll let you give your two cents since it's your thread, and then we'll see what Steve thinks about it. Because I, I have a feeling I know what Steve thinks, but I'd like to hear what he says too. Okay, well, I basically, except for the paraphrasing at the beginning, I basically read it, which says, you know, piercings and tattoos, is it a niche? Is there a place in real estate? Is it becoming a trend in society? Can it help or hurt your business? Uh, okay. what, what are your thoughts? And I'm kind of a different animal uh, than I think a lot of people. I, I only have one prejudice in bone in my body, and that's the people who are assholes. It's aside, a good prejudice. You know, aside from that, <laughs> I don't care what color you are, you know, my heart doesn't see color, it doesn't see religion, sexual preference, any of that stuff. I don't care. Matter of fact, if you kind of beat your own drum, it's, it's kind of refreshing that you don't really fit the mold. So when this post was reintroduced just recently, I said I would consider two things. And, and that was framed in, if I'm a buyer and I'm not a real estate agent, and I have conversations with a realtor, and we finally meet in person, and this person has big gauges in their ear and nose rings and face piercings and tatted up all over the place and a mohawk and God knows what else, would that affect my opinion? Well, you know, first impressions do say something. I would uh, try and find out if the person is experienced, knowledgeable, ethical, and hardworking. If they are, then I don't care if they show up in a clown suit. And quite literally, if they have my best interests at heart and everything else, it doesn't matter to me. However, there is a part two to that. Because of not everyone looks at the world like I do, if there are other people that are going to be prejudiced to this realtor, and I'm trying to buy a house and write an offer, and the listing agent is saying to the seller, or the seller is saying to the listing agent, hey, here's my, you know, $800,000 home. It's my largest material asset. And we're going to put the selling side in this guy's hands that, you know, looks like a parrot. Um, <laughs> if that affects me as a buyer, then uh, I can't use that person. So personally, I don't care. I, I think it's great. And Portland is weird. And we kind of like embrace people being weird. But that being said, I guess my final thought is, if I need an emergency appendectomy and the doctor comes wheeling in with a green mohawk and big gauges and all kinds of stuff, you know, I'm going to have concerns. There, there's, a certain, <laughs> there's, there's a certain standard of professionalism that you expect, and it's easier camouflaged if you're, you're dressed appropriately and you fit the mold. If you're kind of a little bit out there, I think you're opening yourself up to more scrutiny, and I think business is going to come a little more difficult to you in, in, in some circles. And I think you're right about that. I think those are very good points. Steve, what's your opinion on that? You're usually a, I mean, you're a pretty slick dresser. You've always been that way. You're kind of a dress to impress kind of guy. And that's not a knock at all. That's just, you know, you take a lot of pride in how you appear to people and how your business appears. Your cars are always spotless. That's just how you operate. What What's your feeling on the matter? Well, first thing, Tucker, let me check out my tongue ring so I can speak clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, first things first. Welcome back, Joe. This segment has quickly become one of my favorites of our of our podcast, so it's great to have my buddy Joe back on and to share some fun with you and these talking about these subjects. So, okay, 
first of all, in looking at the threads, there's two debates going on. One is about the matter itself, and the other is about a realtor having those t tattoos and piercings. And probably to even be more clear, visibly having those. Because I don't think the debate would come into play if, if somebody's got a tattoo at a place in a location that's not going to be visible. I, why, why, why even talk about it? Agreed. So, so there, as you read the threads, you see those two independent debates going on. I'm not going to sit here and go into the first debate, which is, is it right, wrong, or otherwise in general? I will say, as you know, to your point, Tucker, I don't have any tattoos. I don't have any piercings. And I'm happy to go on record and say that will always be the case for me. But I do respect others and their decisions. Now, when it comes to real estate, I'm with Joe, okay? People are hiring us to come put the best foot forward for their most prized possession. In other words, let me put that another way. We're putting the gift wrapping on the house. We are putting the bow on it. We are the expert that is going to market it. Shouldn't we be able to convey that we can do that about ourselves? Shouldn't our package, shouldn't our presentation, our demeanor, shouldn't it be the best version of us visibly? People do judge a book by its cover. Okay, whether they tell you to not to or not or not is not the point. They do. So I would challenge anyone that says it's not affecting my business. Okay, there was a common theme here that I saw. And there was a lot of people that have them, and they said, "Oh, it doesn't affect my business." Or what a lot of people said is, "If it does affect my business, if it affects a client, and they don't like it, then I don't want that client." Well. I have a little bit of a problem with that because, I mean, you could insert a lot of things in there. I mean, that's what they said is if you have a problem with my tattoos, you shouldn't be my customer. Well, let me say that sentence a different way and just substitute something else in there. If you have a problem with me showing homes in my underwear, you shouldn't be my customer. <laughs> I wake up in the morning with messy hair. So if I have to comb my hair to please you, then you shouldn't be my customer. I mean, where do we go with that? I mean, if there are things that are affecting the general population's perception of you and causing them to not be your customer? Are you making the best business decisions? Yes, there are a lot of people out there with piercings and tattoos, visibly um, visible piercings and tattoos. If your market share is only those people, I think you've, I think you've left a lot of money on the table from a business st standpoint. So I do think that it affects things. I think that people um, will we'll make decisions based on that. And that's pretty firmly my stance, but I think it was an amazing topic. I loved reading it and I love the liveliness that comes out of it. Yeah. I think, I think I agree with you in a lot of ways, Steve. I think that, you know, especially the comment about if people don't like my tattoos or piercings, they shouldn't be my client. I would venture to say that anybody that says that is probably not a very big producing agent. I'm just going to say that. And, uh, you know, business is probably not their number one priority. Earning a, a high income is probably not their number one priority. It's probably more of a lifestyle job as opposed to a daily grind for them. And whether that's good or bad, that's a whole other conversation. But I think if you're going to take your real estate business seriously and continue to try and grow it day in and day out and treat it like a business, then I think, yeah, I, I agree with your stance on it, is you want to appeal to as many people as possible. Now, there's one caveat that I think to this, and that is I'm going to take the example of Allen Iverson, right? When he, got, when he left Georgetown and got into the league, before he got paid, 
and before he went broke. But before he got paid, <laughs> he had no tats. If you look at him as his rookie year in the NBA, guess what? No tats. By the time he left the NBA, I don't think there was a, a anything other than just around his face and his cheekbones that wasn't tatted. So over time, the world recognized him as the best at what he did. And it really didn't matter that he had all those tats and he looked how he looked by the time he was had been in the league for a while. My point is, is that if you're the best at what you do, there comes a point where you can be eccentric to a point and be who you are and express that. And the world will accept you and they don't judge you necessarily so much because of it. But unless you are the man and, and you've laid all the groundwork and put in all the time and all of the hustle to get there to be the man or the woman or whatever it is. I don't think that you can say that you can dress and be appear however you want and not have your business suffer. So that would be my caveat to it. Yeah, I have to I have to tell you though that's he was doing a different task. He was putting basketballs through rims and those tattoos did not affect that. No, I and, agree. I it's a totally different thing. I'm just, you know, there comes a point where the world will start to give you accolades for being great at whatever you do, right? And so once you get to greatness in whatever your field is, the world gives you a little more leeway to beat your own drum, as Joe gotcha. says, and be who you want to be. But until you get those accolades, I think you should probably tone it down a little bit. Gotcha. So you're saying if somebody was a rock star, top producing realtor, and then they ran out and got a bunch of tattoos, they probably could keep riding that wave of momentum and a bunch of people aren't going to necessarily leave them for that. And, and I would I would say there's something to that. Yeah. You know, what's, saying now. what's interesting is uh, you can talk all sides of it because there's different levels of piercings and tattoos. Now, you know, above and beyond, you can be very tasteful and have an earring and, you know, a, a visible tattoo. Now, if you had a great big swastika on your forehead, <laughs> then uh, that would fall into the asshole category, which we would have great pre prejudice against you. But if you have an earring or a couple or maybe a lip ring or a tattoo it's not necessarily a big deal if you are first professional i've seen many professionals that had you know earrings and and tattoos and you know what's what's funny is the very same questions i try and ferret out of these people you know are you honest ethical hardworking, and professional if they are i don't care what they look like but guess what when i'm meeting a professional be it a doctor or a lawyer or anybody else what am I get, trying to find out? Are you honest, ethical, hardworking, and professional? So, you know, the appearance really doesn't mean too much to me, but I do have to be sensitive. If you look like, you know, you lost a fight with a, a machine gun and had tattoos all over the place, that very much can have an effect in a professional job such as real estate. Yeah, there was an interesting comment by one gal. I'll read it. It says, spoiler, some people are turned off by agents that are overdressed. And I, I can agree with that. You'd mentioned, Tucker, how I dress. I typically, for listing appointments and to the office, I wear dress pants, dress shoes, a dress shirt, but no tie, no suit coat, unbuttoned. I usually wear that to listings. I think if you went to a listing on a $250,000, $300,000 house in a three-piece suit with a tie, I think you could turn some people off. I totally agree with that. Now, are you turning them off the same exact way? Probably not. You're overshooting versus undershooting the appearance. I heard great advice years ago from somebody that said, and it was about job interviews. They, I think it was even in school we were on the subject. You know, dress for a job interview 
go one notch higher than what you would wear at the job. So if you're applying for a job where you you go in jeans and a t-shirt, then you might want to go in, in khakis and a uh, golf shirt. If you are applying for a job where you would wear khakis and a golf shirt, you might go in you know a shirt and tie, but maybe no coat and vice versa. Well, newsflash, as realtors, whether you realize it or not, every appointment we make, guess what, is a job interview. <laughs> I've even, Absolutely. sometimes when people ask you, like, how do you like being a realtor? Have you ever had a job interview? They say, oh, yeah, I've been on a job interview. Imagine every day that's what you do because that's the life of a realtor. Every first meeting is a job interview, and they're they're either giving you the job or they're not. So good advice. I do think you can overdress. I think you should you should you know you should match your target. Back to what I was saying. If you're going to a three million dollar listing, you're probably still overdressed if you wear a three piece suit, but it could be a little bit more appropriate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to know your clientele, and that and that's part of it. And I think some of those people, their clientele is the eclectic, keep Portland weird type, right? I mean, if they're working in the Hawthorne branch of whatever real estate company, and they live in that area, and that's where the majority of their client base is. It's probably the norm to have, you know, maybe big hoops and a bone ring and, you know, whatever else, because it's right next to the tattoo shop, right? That's the norm. But if you're in your Lake Oswego office and you're dressing like that, yeah, you're probably, you know, you're not going to cater to the clientele that you're probably serving the most. So I think it's it's definitely knowing your clientele, whether you're dressing or how what your appearance is. But to my point, the further you get in your career, the further the world acknowledges your greatness and whatever you do, the more leeway you get in getting away with who you are and how you like to appear. So did we beat that topic fully there? I think we can move on. Okay. I think yeah. we can move on. Yeah. Great. Well, why don't, uh, why don't you tee up the next one there, Steve, since you guys, uh, the second topic is something that I, I think it would benefit our listeners for you guys to kind of explain it, the intricacies of it first, since you're on the legality side, I'm simply on the opinion side on this one. And I want to make sure people get the right information. Yeah, let me find it again here. It was about a listing. Okay, here it is. Client just emailed me, and this one got a lot of comments. And not 100 comments like the other one. So I shouldn't say a lot in like quantity, but they were fiery comments. There was a lot <laughs> of emotion. They were very dramatic, and they were very opinionated and very, very polar opposite. You know, there's few, th it had all the makings of one of those threads, all the makings of, of the high drama threads. It had Zillow, which just people either love or hate Zillow. There's not a lot of people in the middle. They either love or they hate it. It had dual agency, double ending. There's a lot of people that love and hate the double ending and, and dual agency. There's, you know, very fiery opinions on both ends of that. And then pre-market was another component of it, which it all tied together. So this one said, here's the, here was the actual post. Client just emailed me about a property and couldn't find it anywhere in RMLS. He then sends me the MLS number, which I didn't quite understand how it had an MLS number, but that's a different story. This listing agent has posted it to Zillow before RMLS. Are agents hoping to double in deals prior to letting other agents know about the listings? Does that serve your seller? I suppose I, they had an MLS number, but it hadn't gone live yet. So, Joe, why don't you take that one on and kind of tell us your take on that one and, and, and some of the observations you saw both in the threads and also your opinions. Okay, so... When you list someone's house, I like to say that sometimes sellers have, you know, two-week-itis. So they say, Joe, let's start the listing not next Friday, but the Friday after. And they have all these things they need to do. Well, two weeks go by, 
and I call them on Wednesday or Thursday, and I say, okay, we're only a day or two away. How are we doing? And, and they say, well, you know, we need another two weeks. And just because the seller isn't ready doesn't mean that we aren't ready. So, you know, there's things we need to do, professional photos, marketing and advertising, flyers, eco-flyers. But whatever their reason, whether they're remodeling, they're trying to find a place for their big dogs, if they're painting, redoing hardwoods, they need a pod, if they're elderly and there's some problems with showings or if the person has infants, it's definitely something that they need to figure out before you are ready for the tidal wave of RMLS. But you could most definitely, by going through the correct channels, post it on Zillow and get on people's radar. Now, RMLS made it against their rules to activate something in their system, but not make it available for showings immediately. So you can't make it active in RMLS and say, okay, all showings are to begin in a week or two weeks. They don't allow that. But they do allow you to exclude it from RMLS for a period of time. And these are these Zillow and Trulia and Realtor.com or whatever coming soon listings. But by the way, RMLS also doesn't let you brand anything, but these other third-party sites do. So you're kind of forced not to put it in RMLS, and you're forced to put it somewhere where it is branded. Now, what's the advantage of that? Well, there's a lot of people that like a, a little bit of anticipation. They like to know what will be coming on the market. Is there an advantage to that broker to potentially sell it themselves and get both sides or find people that might be buyers for other people's houses or find people that might want to sell themselves. Absolutely. That's all fair game. The, the biggest problem I have with this entire topic is because there's so many people, especially in a hot market and their buyers lose out on something and the buyers said this one sold and it wasn't, you didn't even tell me about it and it looks bad on that broker, so many selling brokers are very quickly jumping on the foul play bandwagon. And they say, this person pre-marketed on these sites, and it sold, and it never got into RMLS, and how dare them? They're trying to double end, and they're doing something. I can't quite find a law they're breaking, but I know they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, there are benefits because when it's in RMLS, it turns into a circus. So I think these other third-party sites have a purpose. In all other scenarios where you can go online and market it not only in RMLS but these other sites at the same time, I think that would be the preference and I think that would be doing the best service to your sellers. But some circumstances that isn't always the case. Mm -hmm. So I'll speak to this a little bit. First of all, if your intention is to help your seller the, in the best manner possible, I truly believe that you need to go onto the open market. Could you go onto Zillow and you could sign the RMLS form that says you're going to pre-market it? Could you just throw it on Zillow for three months and at some point hope that some somebody calls you and you can double end it? Sure. Are you doing the best thing for the seller? Absolutely not. And that was never debated by me or I think I'll, I think most people in this thread. Now, what was mentioned is, like Joe said, 
as you are progressing towards getting it onto the open market, what I mentioned a couple times in here was, why would you want dead time? If the photos are done on Tuesday, your plan is to go live Friday, because some logistics here, people, you get your photos on Tuesday, your designer's putting together the flyer on Wednesday, you're approving it on late Wednesday, Thursday, you're printing it, and now you've got it so you can go live. I believe in having the full product when we go live with a listing. I know some, and that's a whole different debate, you know, some agents get their photos, throw it live, and then they're printing their photos three days later, but then they have buyers and clients and people seeing what I think is an incomplete listing and that's not the professional appearance that I want to put forward. So we like to have our listing completely done when we go into the MLS and start allow showings. That said, we have the photos on Tuesday. Why couldn't we throw them on Zillow through the channels that allow us to do that, knowing that we have the RMLS form signed on every one of our listings, and start generating interest from people who are on Zillow and see it? They oftentimes aren't calling us directly. They're calling their realtor, as this post is speaking to. They're calling their realtor and saying, hey, there's this house on Main Street, 123 Main Street. What can you tell me about it? All realtor has to do is say, it's a simple process. Where did you see the house? I don't see it in RMLS. I saw it on Zillow. Realtor goes on Zillow. Hey, there's Steve Nassar next to it. Give me a call. I will tell you we're going on the market Friday. Okay, There's nothing sinister in this scenario. But do you know what I did there? I now have somebody that's waiting for it to go live. Do that a few times over, and you now have not only the, the normal interest you would have created on Friday when you go live, but you have what I call pent-up demand. You have, you have a, a back pressure of people excited and ready for this that gives you an added advantage than just having taken it live on Friday. So that was one thing. Zillow is an easy target in this process because people, like I said before, they love or hate Zillow. And you know, do you know who loves Zillow? People who know how to use Zillow. Do you know who hates Zillow? People who don't know how to use Zillow. That's how you divide that segment. Zillow is an easy target in this. But can I tell you that it, in our modern day, yeah, online seems to be the way this is happening. Flash 30 years ago, and I know we have members in the master's group that have been in the business 30 years, the same exact thing would happen. It was just called a sign in front of the house, right? How often would somebody call and say, I could say the exact same complaint here. A client just emailed me a property. I couldn't find an RMLS. The listing agent put a sign in the front of the house for two weeks prior before putting it on RMLS. There's even a flyer in the flyer box, okay? So same issue. The, the reality is they're simply taking steps to do some kind of marketing prior to it going on, on the market. So if you want to get mad at the people who are pre-marketing with Zillow, then a fair comment would be never put a sign in front of your house until the day you're live on RMLS because you're trying to cheat and double in the house if you do so. Of course, I don't truly believe that, but that would fall in line with the argument that was being made by a lot of parties here. You know, we've had people complain about that. <laughs> <laughs> in past because we've had signs up uh, and we've had delays to get the house fully you know our occupancy cert didn't come in in time or our staging didn't get done and you know the sign gets up when the sign guy puts the sign up and it's sometimes those time frames don't work out and then you get somebody that feels like they missed out right and then that's really the issue but funny about this topic steve is that the one property that you have sold for me in the last year or so this exact thing happened. And so we had everything done. We were going to go live, I think, Friday, and it was Wednesday evening. And you got the photos back, but we weren't staged yet, or we didn't have, we were punching out, we were doing some things, 
you guys put the photos on Zillow. Lady saw them, drove by the house, stopped by. My wife, Joni, was there putting the final touches on the staging. And the lady said, hey, I'm interested in the house. And I think her agent ended up calling you guys Mm -hmm. just like because she probably called her agent and said, hey, I found this house. But I think the agent actually said, I can't find it anywhere. But then they looked it up on Zillow because the client told her that she found it on Zillow. They contacted you. They wrote an offer and we sold them the house. And I didn't double in the deal. No, no, I didn't didn't. double in the deal. But the, the, the agent asked the client, where did you find the house? And then they simply went there, pulled the information, called you and we put a deal together. Yeah. I want to also say, I don't believe in that strategy lasting long periods of time. I think it's a disservice. If, you, if you're going to pre-market, that's the name of that, right? That's what you call that. If you're going to pre-market, you can't pre-market for a week or longer. You really shouldn't do it more than a few days. And here's why. You'll lose those people that saw it. Back to my scenario. If I put it on Zillow on Tuesday and I'm going live a week and a half later and I'm not allowing showings for a week and a half, that person who calls a realtor on Tuesday and says, hey, I found this on Zillow, and the realtor looks it up and calls me, hey, when can my client see this? If I say a week and a half out, they're gone. They're not w- waiting around for a week and a half. They're annoyed. They hate our guts, and they're, we're, they're, they're over us. So you cause a problem there. You can do that for a few days, but I strongly discourage people trying to take this approach like, oh, I'm going to build all this pent-up demand for like two weeks before we take it live. That, it just doesn't work that way. When people see a house they want to see, They'll wait a couple days, but they're not going to wait much longer, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think especially in this market right now, I mean, everybody is conditioned to think that they have to get in like tomorrow or it's just a waste of time. So I, I think you're absolutely right there. But, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, we actually did this exact scenario. You pre-marketed the photos like 36 hours before we were going to go live, maybe max. And somebody found it and we ended up putting a deal together. So I don't I don't think the agent that, you know, intentions were bad here necessarily. I think it was just the proper thing to do with your pre-marketing. If you're not ready for, like Joe says, the tidal wave of RMLS these days, which if you price your properties right, and it's a desirable property. It's a battlefield. Your phone's going to blow up. You're going to be scheduling showings. It's going to get crazy. Right. So, you know, it's I think it's just smart business. It's the right way to market somebody's home. Well, with our uh, inventory right now, it's it's crazy, and it does kind of come into effect now. The, the root of the whole conflict about this thread is potentially looking bad to the party you represent. And, and so this was coming to the group from the perspective of the buyer saw something on Zillow. It's not an RMLS, so the Realtor did not present it to these people. Then it sold. And then the buyers are mad at their broker that they didn't present it to them. That can all be handled with a little bit of a conversation about how the world works in real estate. You know, not all homes that I sell are on the market. I sell for sale by owners. You know, I'm not against banging on someone's door saying, I have people here from Colorado. They absolutely love your house. Have you ever thought of selling? It rarely works, but it has worked. So what I tell my prospective buyers is, If you have interest in a home, any home, whether it's on the market with my company, any other company, for sale by owner, not even on the market, call me. Tell me the address. I can find out everything. If it's pre-marketed somewhere, I can track it down. I tell them to gather as much info as they possibly can. If there's a broker name or a phone number or something, that'll help me narrow the gap. But you know, it's not illegal to, to pre-market on Zillow. And I agree with Steve, if, if you do it three or four days in our current market, 
no big deal. If you hang it out there too long, it, it, it works against you. Holistically, if you could launch it in RMLS and all the syndicates on Friday at the very same time, that's probably the best service for your sellers. And we did that for you, Tucker, too. We did take it live. Oh, yeah. Um, and had somebody come along that was willing to pay more than that gal, she wasn't going to, she had no advantages having seen it earlier other than she saw it. She, she was there. She was around. Well, she but, was willing to give us 500 and some thousand dollars in cash, which was a pretty good advantage. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's not like we did a quiet off market deal with her. No, no, we, we went, we, live. we were, they wrote an offer yep. and we still took it live with that offer in hand. And we, we sat and waited, but we, you, you made the judgment call that, okay, no other offers are coming and she is cash. And that's, I think that's an important part of this conversation is I don't believe, and I said this in this thread, Quiet off-market deals almost never get a seller top dollar. The no, way for a seller to get top dollar is to put it onto the open market and allow any and all interested parties to come and give you the best chance of that supply and demand. I mean, the more the more demand there is on that house, there's only one of them, so the supply is limited. On the flip side of that, I also am a believer that quiet off-market deals aren't great for buyers either. When a buyer comes to a house, I mean, we've all seen these transactions. If, if someone's putting a house on the market for 700000 a buyer comes along and they're like, oh, I love this house. Yeah, let me give you 700000 Well, how do they know that once it went on the market? Comps aside, we've all, we've all seen comps that support a price. How do they know once it goes on the market that it's not going to sit for 30 days and the seller's going to have to reduce to six seventy five? Now, there's times when they make sense and people do those off-market deals, especially if it's, you know, it's a convenience factor for the seller or for the buyer or they don't want to show the house or they just they just want to be done with it. But that's usually not how a seller gets top dollar and it's usually not how a buyer can feel absolutely confident that they are getting a good deal on the house because they don't know if anyone else is willing to pay that or not. Yeah, and I I think you you make a good point and and I, I'll say that, you know, we buy virtually everything off market. I don't remember the last time we bought an RMLS property, but we sell everything on market. But the reason why we buy everything off market is because we're buying non-retail ready products. I think if you're going to sell a retail ready product, the best place for it is the market because it's ready for the buyers that are looking on that platform or the vast majority of buyers that are looking on that platform. And it provides the most exposure, which ultimately that's how the market's created, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're also buying properties that appraise for hundreds of thousands of dollars more later. So you're not trying to, <laughs> you're trying yeah. to get really good deals and that's how you do them. Is that, yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a whole nother topic, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, I think, uh, I think we talked about some really good stuff here uh, this week, Joe, I want to thank you for coming back and joining us on another great episode here. Best of masters. We'll most surely have you back sometime in February and we can pick from uh, a whole host of, of new, hopefully fiery posts that, uh, you know, people put up there in the group. But I think we covered some good ground today. I think we covered some really good topics. Steve, anything uh, of note before we uh, sign off for this episode here? Nope. Been a great show. Thanks for coming, Joe. We'll look forward to the next one with you. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys. We're uh, wrapping up episode 21. We'll be back next week with a great episode. Gerard from Ironbridge Lending, who's based out of Portland here, a great uh, hard money lender. So we will see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.